Good morning. Happy New Year. It's 2020, Mission View. Is everybody ready for 2020? Well, if you're not, it's here already, so too bad. You have to deal with it. I think 2020 is going to be a great year for Mission View Church. So excited. So excited about what God's doing. We have some very, very exciting news that we're going to be sharing um, with you coming up very shortly about a future home for Mission View Church. So be uh, looking for emails and different things coming out in the next couple of weeks, and, and uh, we can't wait to share with you what uh, the elders have found and are planning for us. So very exciting stuff. Just a couple of things before we jump into today's sermon. Um, community groups are going to be starting back up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we actually have um, some open spots rare occasion, but on the restart, we had a group um, go ahead and grow out into two different groups, so there's a couple spots. So if you're not involved in a community group, today is the day. Like, go, go talk to Kelly out at the uh, welcome table after church today. Um, we only have a couple, couple of spots, maybe a few spots for um, people to sign up for that, so I wanted to make you aware of that. I think that's it as far as the housekeeping stuff. Am I forgetting something? All right, good. Open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. We are um, officially starting a new sermon series today. I love the worship set today, too, because it goes right along with this whole sermon series that we're going to be talking about. This sermon series is called When Mission Gets Messy. Oh, when mission gets messy. I, I love this because there is something in the DNA of Mission View Church that is we are a people that are about the people that aren't here yet. There is, there is a group of people in North Canton around, well, in, in surrounding counties too. There's like 200,000 people that claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. We want to reach out to those people. We want to share the love of God the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people. God wants to reach these people, and he commands us, urges us to go after them. So, so this, this whole sermon series is going to be right in the heart of who we are, what God's called us to do, and what we're about. So I'm like, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Jonah's a great story, and my Bible only takes up like one page, I think. It's like, yeah, two pages here. And if you have time to sit down, it takes like 10 minutes, you could read through the entire story. That would be great, because as we go through this, I'll be talking about a lot of different things. But if you're up to date on this story, it'll be great, and you can follow along very quickly as I go through things. But anyways, today's sermon is titled, Loving the Unlovable. Now, when God calls us to do things, when he calls us and commands us to go out on mission— what we find is, is that that's great, that's fun, that's exciting, and it's energizing, that, that we're on mission, that we have a purpose, that God has a reason for us being here, and that is all really great stuff. But then we come face to face with a human being, and it's like, oh, hi there. My name's Matt. Um, uh, how are you today? And it's a, it, it can be a little intimidating. Does anybody ever experience that? You, maybe it's that, that rude coworker. Maybe it's that, that hard neighbor to deal with. Or, or maybe it's that, you know, whoever it may be. Mission can get messy. And God calls us to love the unlovable too. And I think in the story of Jonah, one of the things that we're going to pull out of this is that uh, God calls Jonah to love some pretty rough people. Some pretty rough people. And you know what? God calls us to love some pretty rough people. He's not calling us just to the people that we like or our circle of friends. 
But he's calling us to those who need him too. So anyways, let's keep that in mind as we go through this. Now, I want to cover a couple of things before we actually jump into this text. There's, uh, there's some speculation about the book of Jonah, whether or not Jonah really did get swallowed by a giant fish or a sea creature, or even if Jonah was a real man. Let me just set, the, set us straight here. Jonah was a real man. He was a prophet. He really was swallowed by a fish or sea monster where he was in the belly of that animal for three days and three nights. Now, we know that because Jonah is referenced in 2 Kings 14.25. It says this, He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. So Jonah was a real person. This isn't just some made-up story. Now Jonah really was swallowed by a sea monster or a fish. Or at least that's what Jesus believed. Because in Matthew 12, 39 through 41, Jesus answered them saying, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will be the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So we can set all of those, those ideas and different things aside. Jonah was a real man. He was a prophet, and he did get swallowed by a giant fish for three days and three nights. I think that's hilarious that people actually struggle with this. Now, that may sound weird, but I, I think it's funny that people struggle with this because the whole, the whole heart of Christianity is the belief that Jesus was God, <laughs> that God actually put on flesh and became a man. That doesn't seem hard to believe for anyone. Right? I mean, like, like, like God actually came down, sent his son, who was truly God, truly man. He lived a perfect life. Now get this. The whole heart of Christianity believes that Jesus, the son of God, truly God, truly man, died on a cross. Think about this. The creator of the world allowed his creation to murder him. That doesn't sound ridiculous to anybody. Wow. Right? And then died, was buried three days in the grave, and rose again from the dead. Amen. And we struggle that Jonah got swallowed by a fish. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> here's, what, here's what we really, here's what we need to grasp. I think this is where we can really, where people can go off the tracks a little bit. God is God, capital G. That, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, that, that this creator God actually can do whatever he wants. Like, like really can do that. Like, like we could look into the natural sciences of things and say, okay, how could Jonah survive in the body of a fish? I mean, there's all this, what kind of fish was it? Was it a whale? Was it a sea monster? Was it a giant catfish? What could it have been where he could have survived? And I did some research. Actually, there was a guy, I think it was in the 1800s, that was on a ship and was swallowed by a whale. He was in the whale for 18 hours and was spit out. 
Now they say that it could be true. There was actually newspaper articles written about it. It could not. But anyways, we could look at it and say science maybe could kind of explain how this could happen. Or we could just say that God is God. And he does things outside of science. He does things outside of what we see as reality and the laws of physics and these different things that we grasp and understand that God can actually go outside of those things and do whatever he wants. There is a supernaturalness of God that we have to come to grips with. And when we say God here at Mission View, it is not God small g. It is God capital G. We believe God can do whatever he wants. And just like we sang this morning, he is God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. That Jesus would be in the grave for three days and rise again. That Jonah would be in the belly of a fish for three days and be spit out. Now, are we, are we cool with that? Are we good to go here? All right, good. Awesome. So Jonah was a real guy. He really did get swallowed by a fish. Let's pray before we jump into this story of Jonah in chapter 1. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We believe that it is truth and that it was given to us by you through men, that it would guide us and direct us, and that it would be more than words on a page, but it would actually pierce into our hearts that it would change us, that it would convict us of sin, and that your Holy Spirit would use it to grow us and make us the people that you've called us to be. So we pray as your people to submit to your word. We pray that we would, would be obedient to what you've called us to do. Love the unlovable. And when this journey we're on, this mission that you've given us gets messy, God, I pray that we would press on, that we would be a courageous people, that we wouldn't be like Jonah, that you wouldn't have to use a fish to turn our minds around. But God, that we would be willing to do what you've called us to do. Amen. Let's read here. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I want to stop right there. And I'm going to give you the first fill-in in your notes today. And it's this. Our mission, like Jonah's, is not an easy one. Our mission is not an easy one. Now, here's, this is the hard part. This is where we have to kind of, I want to, try and wrap our minds around what God has commanded Jonah to do, okay? The Ninevites, the people of Nineveh, were horrific people. They were a warrior tribe. They were a conquering people. Three times they had tried to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They were murderers, they were killers, and they... Um, history tells us they celebrated their torturous, grotesque, terrible things that they would do to the people that they conquered. I can't repeat what they would do. That's how horrific it was. Beyond R-rated. I mean, you read about what the people of Nineveh wrote, and it, our movies don't even compare to it. I mean, it is horrific. And they were 
they were against everybody, but three times they tried to off the Jews, right? So, so Jonah, think about this, Jonah being told by God to go to the people of Nineveh who tried to kill the Jews many times and probably did those horrific things that we read about in history books and through, throughout scripture. I mean, this is terrible. Like for us in Ohio here, how do we wrap our mind? Now think if like God told you to go to the Ohio State-Michigan game and root for Michigan. I mean, that's how bad this is. I mean, this is, this is where things would get ugly, right? You know, put on the, what is it, like gold and blue or something? What do they wear up there? I know we have some Michigan people here. I'm just, giving, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, we, what we really need to wrap our minds around is how hard this would have been for Jonah's stomach. I mean, think about this. We don't, we don't know. The Bible doesn't really tell us what Jonah had witnessed personally from the people of Nineveh. But if he was alive during one of the times when the people of Nineveh came and, and tried to conquer his people, what he would have witnessed. I mean, we, we could think that, that he understands the atrocities, and maybe even personally and firsthand, the beheadings and the fillings and the terrible things that they talked about and celebrated in Nineveh. So God says, Jonah, go and share my word the word of repentance with this sinful people. Man, it would be really, really difficult for this. Here's an interesting side fact here. There's another book in the Bible called Nahum, whose name means comfort. So he's another prophet, and his name actually means comfort. Now, one of his great prophecies, this comforting prophecy prophet guy, is about the coming defeat of Nineveh and and how comforting that would be to all the people of the earth. That's how bad Nineveh really was. So, it's a, so we have to really wrap our minds around what that looks like and understand what Jonah must have been going through internally. Now, has, have you ever had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone that you struggled with in relationship? Maybe someone who lied about you, Maybe someone who slandered you. Maybe someone who assaulted you. Think about this. God's asking Jonah to do that thing. Every time, this is hard, this is, this is real Christianity. Every time someone sins against you, every time somebody sins against me, we have an opportunity to be the gospel of Jesus Christ alive. Every time. Every time. It's amazing to think about my sins and, and my failures and look back at them and think, oh my gosh, Jesus died for that, for me. And then the actual opportunity to live that out for someone else through the power of God, the Holy Spirit in us. God gives us these opportunities. God's giving Jonah this opportunity. Now, how do, how do, we, how do we survive that? How do we, <laughs> I mean, that's easy for me to, not, well, it's not actually easy for me to stand up here and say that. That's a hard thing to say. But how do we survive 
How do we survive the sins of others? How do we forgive people who mean us so many wrongs, done so many things against us? This is what this is what Jonah really has to wrap his mind around. And if we're going to do what God's called us to do as a people in Christianity and as Mission View Church, we're going to have to wrap our minds around that as well. What does it mean? How do we survive the sins of others? And how do we not just survive them, but how do we share the gospel in that mess, in that pain, and in that suffering? That's going to be key for us. And I think we're going to get a lot of it as we go through this in Jonah. Let's continue on in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, lower G, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. What a winner. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? That's like, what are you doing? A sleeper about to die. That's what he's saying there. This is Matt's translation. Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Oh, that's a fun word. You say tempestuous. Oh, that was terrible. Tempestuous. Yeah, so you got to say it with like some, you know, gusto. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous, there it is again, against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. All right, we'll stop there. What I want to point out about this section is this. We can't outrun the presence or the purpose of the Lord. We can't outrun the presence or the purpose of the Lord. And that is great news. That is great news. God is going to do what God wants to do no matter what you do. That's a lot of do's. But God's going to do it. We can't outrun his purpose or his plan. We cannot run his presence. God is omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere all the time. There is no place you can go that you could be away from God. That is such comfort to us that when we're going through the storms of life, when we're going through suffering, we're going through pain, Jesus is right there by our side. Praise the Lord. 
And it's terrifying because all those secrets and all those things that we think people don't know or God doesn't see, God sees it all. It is a great comfort and it's terrifying that the creator God knows every one of your secrets. He knows them. He's witnessed them. He was there. And that is terrifying. But it's also reassuring because in all of that, God still loves you. God still has a purpose and plan for you. And his presence will never leave you. This is great news for us and something we should be aware of. God is God and we can procrastinate and avoid and run for a long time, but God is going to do what he wants to do in and through you. The question is, are you going to force him to use a fish? Now, I'm not talking about like a literal fish. Well, maybe he could do it. But chances are, we are close to the lake, I guess. But here in Northeast Ohio, you're probably not going to get swallowed by a fish. But what is your fish? What is the fish God's using in your life right now? Right? I mean, we, we all at some time in our journey in this relationship with Christ will have a fish because all of us, have at one point in our life tried to avoid, procrastinated the calling, the purpose in the presence of God. I mean, this is church. We've got to be honest, right? There's been times where we've just tried to avoid it. And this is, this is here's something I, I find myself saying quite a bit, and you've probably heard me say it here, and you'll probably hear me say it a ton of times again, but I believe that God gives us what we want in order to show us what we really need. And that's exactly what happened with Jonah. Think about this. We believe God's God, capital G. God could have any moment just changed Jonah's heart. Instantly, God's God. He could have just like revealed to him like this amazing thing that he was going to do in Nineveh. He could have just changed his heart and Jonah would be like, all right, let's go. We're going to Nineveh. I'm going to share the gospel with these people that tried to kill me. Woo! And he could have been great with it. God could have done that. He didn't. God could have went into, you know, the town or where the ships were and just put all the ships out to sea. You know, great fishing expeditions, everything else. Everybody got to sea. Jonah could have gone there and just no boats, nothing. He couldn't, there's no way he could have run away. He could have just stopped it right there. He didn't. God could have went to those mariners and said, hey, there's this guy going to show up. Don't give him a ride. Tell me he needs to go to Nineveh. All right, we're just put this to an end right here. And he didn't. God allowed Jonah to go get a boat and head out to sea. That's what Jonah wanted. He wanted to get away. He didn't want to face this hard thing that God was calling him to do. It's it's in, it's in these hard journeys that God's called us to, that God is working his will and his purpose for you. Do you hear me? You hear me on that? God loves you so much. He is willing, he's willing to allow you these difficult and hard things to shape and grow you and, and work in you. 
It's painful and it's hard, but, but God is in it. And that's what, that's what we believe as we read God's Word. We believe that the Bible teaches that in these hardships and in the suffering and in, in the, the things that we deal with every day or the things that we deal with once every three years or whatever part of that journey you're going through that is that suffering, God is in that. Recognize that. When we recognize that, that God is in these things, our suffering's not wasted. Our worry isn't wasted. Our pain and suffering, it's not a waste. God sees every tear and he, he takes those things and he uses those things to, to, to heal us, to complete us and grow us. God is with you in the storm. And God is with you, shaping you in the belly of the fish. In the belly of the fish. That's what we're going to see as we continue in the story next week. You may be listening to this thinking, I'm okay. I'm living life and I'm doing okay. God has something for you to do. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has gifts God has given them. And everyone has a mission. If you're sitting out there and you're just fine, and you're like, man, there's no fish, man. I'm just cruising right along. Everything's just great. I want you to know you have something to do. It's not just cruising along, working the nine to five and just making it work. God has a purpose for your life that goes beyond paying your mortgage. God has a purpose for your life that goes beyond doing these nine to five things. He has a purpose for your life that is greater, so much greater than these things. It's for his kingdom. God has a purpose for you that has eternal consequence. Did you hear that? God has a purpose for you that has eternal consequence. We live in the here and now and this, this timeline that we're living in, but God has something different. It's called eternity. And the things that we do and the things that he's called us to have eternal consequence. There are people's eternities at stake. And God invites us in to that mission. God is inviting you in to that mission. I said it just a couple of weeks ago, but I think one of the greatest lies that Satan gives to us is the easy life. I'm going along, I'm just fine, man. I read my Bible 15 minutes every morning. I go to work, all my bills are paid on time. I got everything set up for my kids. Everything's great. God has more for you. Don't settle. We should be... <laughs> we should be spiritually dripping with the sweat of mission. All of us, every day, our lives purposed for the kingdom of God. Anything less, anything less is trash. That is the purpose that God has for you. It is beyond just these things that we see, and it is eternal. You know, with God's work, with God's word, comes great work and great responsibility. We have to go out. We have to go out and share the good news. We have to go out and live the good news. But we also have to build up within. As we do life together in community groups, challenging one another in the word, encouraging one another, 
doing those things, we are being the church. I think it's so important for us to have a balance here. We are a missional church, thus the name Mission View Church, right? That we are, that means, missional means that we are on mission, we're going out and sharing the good news. But there's a balanced part of that that is an inward working, that we are caring for our souls with one another. The Bible talks about it and says it like this, that it's like iron sharpening iron, that these relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So these relationships are encouraging one another, challenging one another. We call that discipleship. And that's something that we, we can't, that, that happens a little bit here on Sunday mornings, but the reality is the, the meat of discipleship happens in relationships with people that we are doing life together with. We're, we're going to our kids' ball games together, and we're gathering, you know, together for meals at times, and then we gather together to go over God's Word and talk about those things and, and how we're living it out or how we're not living it out, and we pray for one another, and we seek God together. There is this balance of outreach and inreach that God has is, is kind of laid out for us in His Word, and the way that we're going to do that is through community groups. That's why that, which is really exciting because 90% of our people here, you're involved in community groups. And, and we have new community groups that are opening up just in a couple weeks. But this is what God is really showing us in, in what we are called to do. Let's look at verse 17 and we'll finish up. This is a great title for one verse. A, a great fish swallows Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I think this is an amazing picture of the gospel. So the first thing I want to say about this, why? Why would God swallow Jonah up with that fish for three days and three nights? Why not six hours? Why not three hours? I mean, how long would it take you for to learn your lesson? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you're thrown into an ocean, you know, whatever, a sea. You're swallowed by a huge fish. Like, I'm repenting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, instantly, as soon as I see Jaws coming at me, I'm like, Lord, I'll go. I'll go, right? But it's not, it, that's not what happens. It's three days and three nights. Why? Here's why. Jesus tells us, we read it in Matthew 12, right? All this book is pointing to one man, and his name's Jesus. So I guarantee you, God allowed Jonah to be in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights because Jesus was going to be in the grave for three days and three nights. It is a picture. It is prophetic. It is beautiful. It's God up there just going, all right, all right, all right. I'm God. Check this out. Poor Jonah, right? Like, really, man? Like, I, I was done. Like, we're going to read. It. Like, Jonah comes up with this prayer in the belly of the fish and, like, it repents immediately, but three days, three nights, bro, sorry. You know, it's just, it's going to be a beautiful picture for us. We, we have the luxury of, of looking back on time and looking back through all of these Old Testament stories. Jonah's probably in the belly of the fish going, I've repented already. When are you going to spit me out of here or whatever happened in the belly of the fish, you know? But we get to look back at this and say, oh my gosh, that's, that's ridiculously cool that God was working his will and painting pictures about who this book is all about way back hundreds of years before Jesus even comes on the scene. 
Third fill in your notes, and the last one is this. God loves us enough to allow us to reap the consequences of our disobedience. God loves us enough to allow us to reap the consequences of our disobedience. I remember when one of my kids was a toddler, and I've probably told this story before, but I think it's worth telling again for this, this point, but I was in the kitchen, had our youngest in my arms, and, and our little toddler was running around, and I'm making Matt's famous macaroni and cheese, dad's famous macaroni and cheese, Kraft macaroni and cheese, you know. But the kids didn't know any different at the time, so it was awesome. I said, this is not like mom's mac and cheese, okay? This is amazing. And from then on, dad's macaroni and cheese is what they wanted, so I, you know, I ended up making mac and cheese a lot. But anyways, so I'm, here I am, I have a, a baby in my arms, toddler running around. Noah was somewhere in the house, probably playing Legos or something. And, um, you know, I had that front burner going, and you know how the water boils, and it makes all this noise, and the steam's coming off, and, and I, I can see Addie in the kitchen, and she's like looking around, and she catches a glimpse of this boiling water with steam and the noise and everything, and she's just like infatuated, right? The noise and the steam and everything else, and I'm holding Emma, and, and I look over, and I'm like, I see it. I say, Addie, no. And as a toddler, you know, they like to test us, right? Any parents here have toddlers? Oh, Lord Jesus, I'll be praying for you, right? It's, it's, it is challenging. There's, it's a, a test of your salvation for sure. But anyways, no. So anytime I would say no at Addie at this point in her life, she would get this mischievous look on her face like, oh, really? No? And so I say no, and I get the look, and I'm like, ah, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to talk to somebody. I throw the phone down. I'm like running across the kitchen, and like as her head's going for the, the pot of boiling water, I barely get to her, and it scrapes the side of the, the pot and goes right onto the burner, the edge of the burner. And I pull her off as soon as I can, and you know what? It's like, ah! You know, and I'm like, I, I told you not to do it. We go, and it's like lukewarm water, you know, and all these other things. Now, like, if I was God in that moment, I would just like, take away those blisters, take away that pain, and just soothe her. And she would be like, oh, you know, no pain. There would be no pain. There would be no suffering. You know, if I was God, you know, I would just take care of that. But what would Addie learn? right? From the three weeks of the blisters on the ends of her finger? Guess what? She never went after boiling water ever again or the stove. Now get this. She could have got the top of the pot and dumped it on her face, but she didn't. You see, God allows us these consequences of our sin so that we can grow and change. And so many times, these consequences that he allows are saving us from something so much worse. Could you imagine a pot of boiling water on her face? Scarred for life? See, God loves us, and he allows these things. It, no matter how hard or how far or how painful 
God has a plan. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've run and you're in the belly of a mess right now. Maybe you aren't running, but you're being obedient, and it's terrifying facing whatever Nineveh you're in. In all of these situations, in every single one of them, we know this one thing. And this is a key. This is key in the Christian life. No matter what it is, if you're, if you're running face first, charging into Nineveh with the power of the Holy Spirit and the joy of courageous Christianity, God wants to use that moment, that journey to draw you closer and closer to him. He wants to bring you so close to him that you get this new and fresh revelation of the love of God in Jesus Christ on the cross crucified for you. He wants to reveal to you his love and his grace and his mercy in that. Or if you're just struggling and you've been running from God and you just don't want any part of it and you don't even know why you're in church today because it's maybe in a high school and it's not as intimidating as as a stained glass at some other church. You're just here running. Know this, God in this moment wants to draw you closer and closer to him. He wants to reveal himself as God to you. And he wants to reveal the work of Jesus Christ for your sins. That Jesus died for our sins. All of us are sinners, the Bible says. But Jesus in his love and grace and mercy allowed his own creation to murder him so that us sinners could come to him and trust in him and have faith in him for salvation. There is one thing that God is working in every and all situations in our lives, and it is this, that he would be glorified and revealed in our lives. In all of these situations, there is this one thing we know. In all of these things, God wants to draw you closer to him. His ultimate purpose is that we would be invariably glorified, he would be invariably glorified through you. And God is invariably glorified in us when we are intimately connected to him. Did you catch that? God is invariably glorified in us when we are intimately connected to him. This this is something I want us to grasp hold of in 2020, church. God is calling us deeper. God is calling us closer. So step out to him. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone in your prayer times. Step out of your comfort zone and read the scriptures longer. Step out of your comfort zone in worship and sing your heart out to God. Step out of your comfort zones in mission. Share your faith with the people that God brings in your path. We want, we want, we we shouldn't say that. We need, we desperately need more of God in our lives. And we have to be humble enough to admit it and courageous enough to run after it. And God will do it through the power of his Holy Spirit for you, for me, 
and for his glory. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. And Jonah's story is such an amazing story that we get to look into about these things. Amen? God's word for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can't outrun your presence or your purpose. And Lord, as this story shows us what happens when we try, God, I pray that you would use the things in our lives to draw us closer to you. Lord, I just pray for the people that are here right now that are in the belly of a fish and are struggling. God, I pray that you would reveal your presence to them, that you would bring comfort in suffering, that you would bring peace in chaos. And Lord, I pray for those right now that have stepped out of their comfort zones and are maybe going on a missions trip or they're talking to their coworkers about you. God, I pray that you would give them courage for your kingdom. God, that they would share the gospel of Jesus Christ in powerful ways and that they would, they would see the work of your spirit in the lives of their coworkers and their families and their friends. God, help us. Help us to be a church that goes out on mission for you. Help us to not be like Jonah, Lord. Give us courage. May you do it by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.